All right, everybody, welcome to the Hunter's Quest podcast. This is your host, Hunter McWaters. It's great to be with you. And today I have a really fun conversation about one of my favorite topics, which is hunt films. I know it's something you guys, uh, a lot of people are getting more into these days is kind of capturing and documenting their hunts. And it's a lot of fun, whether you're doing it, you know, for a project you got going or just doing it for fun for friends and family. Whatever it is, um, you know, I I really consider myself a student of great hunt films, what makes a great hunt film, and um, something I spend a lot of time thinking about, and I think it's very interesting and fun to talk about. So today I'm doing a, a podcast with the, um, I can't remember his exact title, but I think he's like, he's basically in charge of content over at Stone Glacier, a guy named Zach Boughton. So he's a great photographer, videographer. He just, uh, they just released an awesome film that Zach uh, produced called The Process, which is a, a long film starting from scouting, moving all the way to archery season and into rifle season of Zach trying to track down and kill a mature mule deer buck in the mountains, which is, as I learned firsthand this year, uh, no easy task. So, um, again, we, we talk a lot about hunting, obviously, but we really kind of dissect hunt films, what makes a great hunt film, and, and really talk about that topic, which I think is super interesting. I hope you guys do as well. Um, but either way, it's great. And then at the end, we kind of have a little discussion about faith, which is cool because uh, Zach is a believer. And um, so we had a great conversation there. Hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, I'm going to ask you one more time. If you haven't yet, please go subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can search my name, Hunter McWaters, um, or you can search The Hunter's Quest. There you'll find video podcasts for every podcast I release. You'll find hunt films, how-to videos, gear reviews, and I'm going to be doing more and more of that type of content as things go out. And as we move further into hunting season and more of my TV episodes come out on the Sportsman channel, I'll be releasing web-only versions of those episodes as well, so you can stay up to date on the hunts. Um, But on that note, if you have Sportsman channel, don't forget to check out the Hunter's Quest TV show. Best time to catch that is Mondays at 11.30 a.m. Eastern and Saturdays at noon Eastern. So i got some really cool episodes rolling out in the next few weeks, and spent a lot of time working on that. So thank you guys for your support. Please share the show with friends and family. Please subscribe. Leave me a written review on the podcast and a five-star rating. It really helps me out, and uh, I'm just going to keep asking, guys. So just, just go ahead and do it. Just take 30 seconds. Go leave me a review. Subscribe. And, um, you know, it's a free way of supporting what I'm doing here, and it means the world to me. So, please do that, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode with Zach Botton from Stone Glacier. See you guys in the next one. All right, guys, welcome to the Hunter's Quest podcast. This is your host, Hunter McWaters. And I'm here today with Zach Botton. How you doing, dude? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, dude. Thanks for, uh, I think I hit you up like today, was it? And you're like, yeah, can we do it tonight? And I was like, yeah, let's go. You hit me up yesterday. Okay, yesterday. (laughs) I just know if I don't try to like squeeze it in, it's just going to be a pain in the ass to. Yeah. No, that's good, man. I love it. Uh, Put together, especially now that it's August 1st, which is crazy. I know. And I'm kind of like. I've been pretty busy and I'm gearing up for a big trip to Alaska in like three weeks. So I'm trying to like just get as many podcasts recorded as I can. So I have stuff rolling out while I'm gone, you know, and it's it's always kind of crunch time around here. So I take it you're hunting in Alaska. Yeah. 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 So we're going, um, it's actually gonna be pretty epic. We're going up on the North slope and I'm going to drop the name of the river because I did a podcast with the outfitter and he dropped it like no problem. So I guess it's not a thing, but we're, um, we're getting an airboat up the Ivashak river, which is like way up near Prudhoe. And, uh, we're going to hunt for, I'm going to bring 12 days of food. I don't know if we'll stay that long and then float out on pack rafts. So it should be pretty epic. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, but anyway, man, uh, what about you? Are you getting, uh, geared up for stuff? Have you been doing any scouting missions or what what have you been up to? Yeah, I did a little Sandy, a little loop on Saturday. (laughs) Just a couple old trail cameras that were out in the hills that I probably needed to go see if anything and walked in front of. So yeah. Any luck? 
good justification to get out there and get a hike in and mosquitoes were heinous Oof, yeah that was probably like the third worst day out in the field as far as mosquitoes go so that wasn't too fun but right like 15 miles or something in so that's good i'm going to the yukon to film a sheep hunt here in like 20 days which i'm not out but it's probably good to at least have your feet ready (laughs) yeah man who you uh who you filming uh jason peak okay he's a guy that's big hunter he's an attorney from reno nevada and kind of has been in the industry he's been part of the rocky mountain goat alliance i think he's still on their board and friends with a lot of sheep hunters and just guys kind of in the know and he's a friend of ours there at stone glacier and so he has a sheep hunt and you're nice. like hey man like you mind if we come up and like film this would be kind of a cool project and we're always looking for sheep hunts to go tag along with on because they're expensive as we know and we can't yeah. afford to be buying them so <laughs> we're looking for people who have tags and hunts and he was the top guy so okay cool um and he's gonna bow hunt which is always rad nice there's not a lot of guys willing to do that which is is what it is i get it for how much money you spend but it's unfortunate i think so yeah I know, uh, the guy's gonna have a rifle i hope that it doesn't get any use at the end of the hunt i hope <laughs> we can get it done with the bow but that's the plan yeah man that'd be uh that'd be i mean it'd be kind of scary like you're saying like being that invested um but you know they always say you got to commit if you're going to do bow you got to commit and just like go for yeah. it and like if you bring the rifle go oh, then you usually end up just grabbing it right <laughs> Yeah, I've been uh, mentally pumping them up every time I talk to them. <laughs> nice, man. What it, that's what it is. I mean, obviously the animal has to make a mistake, but it's mostly just a mental thing. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, tell me a little bit about yourself, man. I don't know anything about you at all. It's the first time we've ever spoke. So, um, like, you know, do you just, like, do you have, do you have kids? Are you married? And then also, like, you know, what – how did you, I guess, um, what's kind of, just give me like the nutshell version of your sort of personal and professional history, like what led you to where you are now? Yeah. Um, so I grew up in North Idaho, Coeur d'Alene, Post Falls area. Uh, I grew up skiing a bunch in the winter and my parents ended up kind of like getting into me me into golf when i was like 12 13 or somewhere in there and i just really liked it and we ended up living really close to a golf course so um i kind of gravitated to that and played that through high school which um i don't play golf anymore which a lot of people (laughs) think is hilarious because golf's i think risen in popularity quite a bit over the last five years especially with the younger demographic but it was not cool when i did it um but it gave me a lot of good skills but that basically sent me down a path of uh going to school in bozeman for film and my move to montana wait hold on i gotta jump in here how did golf lead you to going to film school well that didn't i kind of i guess was in my head (laughs) okay a little bit ahead of myself and that's just kind of how how it came out um but just golfing and skiing which are very much just personal sports and like Golf in Idaho is tough. There definitely were some really good golfers in junior golf that ended up playing a little bit on the PGA Tour, but we have a short window. It's a kind of like baseball, yeah. man. It's like if you're not living in California, Arizona, other places where you can play year-round, it's a little bit tough. But, <clears throat> yeah, so I went to school in Bozeman for film. And long story short, didn't know what I wanted to do. Knew I kind of wanted to run my own business. My brother was going to school in Missoula. He's two years younger than me. And so I went to Missoula, went to school and the skiing was not as good as big as the Bozeman big sky bridger scene. And I just kind of always felt like Montana had a different vibe for me than North Idaho for whatever reason, growing up in North Idaho, really no one in my friend group ever hunted or exposed me to hunting, but Montana felt like more redneck more country more like interesting i was gonna say i was gonna say like it would be the opposite because i feel like northern idaho is like montana i think north idaho is way more redneck yeah that's like like if you want to like go join a compound and like you know (laughs) 
which I wouldn't say hunting and redneck really go together, but for a lot of people they do. Um, I just, so I just kind of felt obligated to hunt and fish and kind of just like naturally fell into it. And yeah. as soon as I started doing it, it was sort of game over. I was just pretty blown away that I hadn't been exposed to it. I think I'm in my early twenties at this point and we'd been in into film a little bit on the ski side of things okay and skiing at that point you know it used to be warren miller films and it was ski films and so it was always like you wanted you know if you were going to try to get into that industry or if you were a skier or a snowboarder that was your inspiration and this was kind of right when the internet was kind of blowing up there were a bunch of like ski videos online and like that was what was like hyping up yeah you know most of the younger demographic and then you go into the hunting and fishing and you're like trying to find the same content and you're like dude it's an old demographic right. on tv canned hunts like this is not <laughs> capture what i'm out doing yeah and so we started our own it was just a blog at first it was called montana wild and it adapted okay. i went to school for business and you know got a minor in media arts and just taught ourselves how to run a media company making hunting and fishing films and turned it into a business and did that for i don't know probably like six or seven years before <clears throat> travis and i our our paths in life kind of split a little bit he ended up meeting sarah and getting married and now he's about to have his fourth kid and i mm. kept doing a lot of the same things and just working more as like a third party independent contractor for brands and then about three and a half years ago, started working for Stone Glacier as their director of content. Okay. But not married, no kids, have a girlfriend, pretty minimal responsibilities outside of the old lady and work. <laughs> that makes it a little easier to just kind of take off for sure. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so I was going to ask about that. So Montana Wild, that's like your production company you started and you were basically like a for hire producer that companies would hire you to produce films or we would produce content as part of some of our contracts but we were really more like uh it was it, it was like kind of like the beginning of like collective like media group brands you know like now we have like born and raised and hushin mm. those types of groups i mean it was kind of like one of the it was similar to that i would say from like okay. how you would consume content like we made films and just put them out on youtube and like ran a bunch of social media pages and like you know like that was our primary output was leveraging our eyeballs for brands but then as part of our contracts we would deliver assets to them where there was photos or you know individual films for a brand you know mm. it was kind of package deals Okay. And so now you're like full-time in-house at Stone Glacier? Yep. Yep. Okay. Nice. So I am the director of content, and so I pretty much have my hands in every photo project and video project we do, and probably half the video projects, I'm either filming them, editing them, or some of them like we saw in the process, like in front of the camera. Yeah. And as far as photo assets, I probably shoot a third, 30, nice. 40% of what we need as a brand and then work with a small group of photographers and filmers for the rest of the stuff. Nice, man. Well, I got to say, I really admire what you guys do over there. Like your catalogs are like beautiful. Uh, I really like your catalogs a lot. Your films I like too, obviously, but um, I don't know. It's one of the few like catalogs where you can just look at it like it's a magazine you know and it's just like looks really cool <laughs> yeah and part of that's content how we build the content and think about it and part of it's lyle's our marketing director lyle hebel he's kick-ass yeah. the design side of things and piecing For it sure. all together but we always laugh because people like what we do and we're like they're like what do you guys do how do you like like what's the secret what's the like and we're like there isn't one man like we're actual hunters yeah like this is what, like we do like the shit we're doing is the stuff that's in the catalog man like yeah it's not that hard 
like we're the customer of our own product and like yeah. dudes we would sell to so it's like whatever we think is cool and whatever we're doing you know in a lot of ways yeah because you can't brand, fake that so. stuff right i mean like so. it like a hunter will look at a photo like a staged photo and instantaneously be like oh that's and then you just completely disconnect from it and that's why i think that this content is so valuable because like you said it's not it's simple but it's not easy <laughs> like to get this stuff right no it's hard i mean yeah <laughs> the reason that our photos are rad is because like we were actually like 10 miles in actually packing a bull out we didn't just like take a set of horns and throw them on a pack and go drive up some mountain somewhere and hike right. down for a mile and get our shots and go home. Like yep. we're hunting. Exactly. It's wild, man. Like how many companies, even some of the biggest ones still just go out and shoot staged. Yeah. In my opinion, lame photo shoots. Like it's so easy to pick out. Yeah. Not every consumer is, has a high, attention to detail or they haven't been hunting a lot of times so people get tricked and think it's whatever but yeah if you're positioning yourself as a brand that resonates with a very avid hunter like and you can't even communicate that like i don't know yeah it's just it's crazy to me i'm glad that that the way i see it is the way stone glacier sees it and that that's been a big plus for us and that's super important to how we are as a brand because i don't think i could work for companies that didn't agree with that sentiment yeah and the other thing too is like when you have a brand that's creating content in-house it can a lot of times turn into you know a 30-minute commercial i think it's very easy to go that route but you guys and i feel like i've seen some like older films from Stone Glacier that like had a little more of that. But like Mm -hmm. recently, like everything's been very much just like a straight hunt film. Um, But of course, like I said, it is a brand. Um, So how much does that factor into, um, you know, because knowing your audience is so huge and and knowing what you're trying to say, convey through a film is so important. Um, How does that influence how you guys make your films i mean at the end of the day we just do what we think is cool like that's (laughs) honestly it yeah there's no secret sauce we have obviously a bunch of hunts amongst the guys that are just in our shop and our close group of friends and we pick stuff that works and i know from being involved so heavily both in front and behind the camera what it's going to take to get the right assets out of actual real trips that we pretty much just cherry pick the ones that make the most sense. And then obviously we look at what new products we're coming out with and make sure that they need to like check those boxes, but that's the not as sexy stuff. That's what our business, you know, is driven by. We got to sell product at the end of the day, but um, yeah, it's really, it's not, crazy complicated we just do the stuff we think is rad which is honestly like what was so successful about what we did at montana wild is we just did the hunts and the things that we thought was rad and we were actually the guys that were putting in the work trying to like be good at, at hunting and we're super passionate about it and that's how yeah. it is at stone glacier like the guys that we go hunting with and document are super passionate about it and they're good at it they love the gear and just makes life pretty easy yeah obviously you know we need to be professionals and make sure that we're checking the boxes and having our shot list for photos and videos and making sure that we're getting everything we need to in the field and that's the hard part you know that's the work side of it where people cannot most people or a lot of people when they go on a hunt it's hard for them to have 25 percent of their brain or whatever running that's like for sure the films the priority or like the photo shoot is like what we're really like that's why we're getting paid to be here you know right you're right because if you just throw that out the door and you're just like uh you know i'm just gonna shoot i don't care if i'm on the animal i mean like you said you uh 
you have to realize that uh, that's a priority. And I, that's that's something I d- like decided a while ago too. Is like, yes, you're there to hunt, but you probably wouldn't be there hunting if you didn't have this purpose. So, um, it's a weird balance though too. But uh, you have to prioritize that, or else you're just there like on vacation or whatever, right? Yeah. I mean, like the process is kind of a prime example. Like I'd spent a bunch of time down there hunting and stone glacier dollars having filmers. And like, I still hadn't killed a buck and I easily could have said like, Hey man, like we gave it a good shot. We just didn't get one. Like that's it. But like I had three or four days left and like, I did not want to throw like my whole camp and my spotter and my tripod and my rifle and my extra ammo and three lenses and batteries and two cameras and a trigger cam in my backpack and hike back into the back country and like set up all the shots while I'm trying to kill a buck on, you know, a tag that I've waited for eight or nine years now to like come hunt and find a deer that I wanted to shoot and set up all the cameras. Like that's the stuff where people don't want to put the extra effort in. Yeah sets you sets your content so much apart from the standard handy cam you know yeah. just like a guy was there and filmed it and that was kind of it you know yeah absolutely man <clears throat> um so yeah so we're talking about the process you mentioned the process and just for people listening if they haven't seen it it's a um pretty new it was a couple weeks now two or three yeah, weeks i've been like three weeks or so three weeks and this is we're recording this in august 1st so pretty new um film and it's um the the process is like the perfect name for it because it's it's really not just like a hunt it's like kind of a journey over an entire season including the preseason scouting and everything uh to come away with you know a big mature mountain mule deer which is an accomplishment so um what what's it like it just struck me as um interesting or different i don't know i so for me like you know i have and i may be totally wrong here but i have um at least right now i have like a bunch of hunts i'm trying to plan you know for one season and um it's very different from approaching like dedicating an entire basically almost an entire fall to like one big accomplishment, you know, mm-hmm. like what do you prefer that? Or what's, what's that kind of like? Cause it's, it's kind of a cool way to do it. It's like, it's only one animal, but it's like a really hard to find hard to kill animal. And like, you're investing a lot of time and effort into this one tag. Yeah. I, I, the more I hunt, the more I want to just spend the right amount of time on hunts that are important to me. And this was an important hunt. I mean, it's an over the counter tag for residents. So it's not okay. a crazy limited tag. It's just, there's good deer in the mountains here. And when I put in for it, it was only like, you know, three or four points. I thought I'd be down there and before I knew it and then point creep and other Mm. things happen. And before you know it, it's eight or nine years and you know, you wait that long, you want to do a tag justice. And I really love mountain mule deer hunting. Montana is a horrible state for it. There's some really big deer here somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out why is that that you think how to find them. (laughs) Why is that you think? Montana is really an opportunity state. And I don't know why, you know, cause we do have some, good elk like i think it's easier to find a good bull than it is a good buck yeah probably part of that is that during the rut they make a ton of noise <laughs> yeah mule deer bugle during the rut it'd be a lot easier <laughs> to hunt them because you could hunt the timber effectively yeah um, but yeah it's just tough so yeah so i know, i actually hunted day. uh montana this year for the first time for deer mm-hmm. i hunted eastern montana though but i shot this guy yeah. Um, and, uh, super fun. I mean, definitely a different experience from mountain mule deer. I did one of those as well in Idaho, uh, way different experience, like way less deer density. Um, yeah, but both were cool and had their own unique challenges. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but you really like prefer the mountain, the mountain hunting, huh? I think it's just for where I live, it has better potential for like a big deer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I mean, that's like a 180 inch plus buck, but really like coming across like a 190 or 200, you know, and like I've shot smaller deer that were old deer that I liked. And that's not always the final like determinant of what kind of deer I'm going to shoot. But like, I know those ones are here in our mountains and like, that's kind of like, I don't really need to go shoot a mule deer. Yeah. Oh, and I like the challenge and I've shot enough to have shot them, you know, and at this point, I just want to challenge myself to find a big old mature deer. Now, if I go find a deer that I think is really old and he's really cool and he's a two by three and I like him, like I'll still shoot him. But what I'm looking for is like perfection in my imagination of like what I know is out there by seeing other people, you know, shoot deer of that caliber and just what gets me excited to go into like shitty spots in the mountains and (laughs) (laughs) i know one day that like it'll all align and it'll be worth it um so yeah when i got this tag i just and as i get older like finding those animals like anyone that's successful you know like anyone that's a really good hunter that kills a lot of things spends a ton of time in the field like that's really the biggest difference between most guys having success and the guys that regularly kill stuff is the guys that regularly kill stuff if they're out on public land with you know pretty average tags like they're just putting in more time than you man like mm-hmm. and the more time they spend the more they understand the animal the better they get like the better hunter they are which means now they actually need less time but they're still spending more time than you and like that's why they're converting on these hunts and so it's like for me if it's an important hunt i want to just spend more time and not feel pressured i mean even a week-long hunt dude it's two three four days where you even really feel like you know what you're doing and then you're like yeah. oh crap i'm on the back half of the hunt i need to get it done <laughs> yeah if it's yeah it takes two or three days to like to settle days, in which i didn't do it all consecutively but it adds up you know yeah. like that's a lot of time to get everything to come together and present an opportunity and like sometimes hunts to the opportunity like it, you screw it up or someone else kills your deer or whatever and you <laughs> gotta kind of start at square one again and like if you don't have any time then yeah but yeah i don't know i just i like the chess game and the learning and the experience of it i i mean if it was like, hey, you can go out and get an animal in one or two days, I probably wouldn't like hunting as much. Like, obviously, I want to be successful and get the thing I set out to get, but I do like it to be hard. I mean, yeah. even in film, it's like, it's easy to say that on the front end. It's easy for me to say that right now, sitting on my couch. <laughs> you know, when it's like day 20-something, and you're like, dude, I just want to get this thing over with now. Yeah. I don't care about how hard it is anymore. Then that's yeah. fine. Cause all you've already, you've already done the thing that you want to do by then, you know, like you've learned all the things about yourself at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I felt you don't learn that. That much. If you go out and hunt for just a weekend, like it's pretty tough for you to really be like crazy challenged unless there's gnarly weather. You just went way in over your head to where like it, it tests your actual like character. Yeah. And part of hunting for me is like, if you, if you aren't like learning more about yourself as a hunter when you're out hunting, like kind of think you're making a mistake. Totally. So yeah, that's what attracted me so much to just cause I grew up hunting, but it was always, you know, drive to a spot, go out to the tree stand, drive home. You know what I mean? Like, but when you're out there, uh, really, I mean, it's, maybe it sounds cliche, but when you're out there grinding for days and you're in there living in it, I mean, it's, it's a totally different experience and it, um, yeah, you just you you definitely learn more and you grow more from that challenge than you do just kind of climbing into a tree stand, scrolling through your phone for three hours, and going home. You know, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and there's a time and a place for all that stuff. For sure, yeah. But I just I'm still young enough to go send it in the mountains, and I like that. So 
Yeah. And it does suck a lot of times in the moment. I mean, like, I felt that in this film, like, I think it was, like, towards the end of the archery season, and you were just kind of, like, at the low, and it was basically, like, how my bear season went. It's just, like, challenge after challenge after roadblock after flooded stream after everything, and, like, uh, it's hard to keep going, man. Yeah. And it, it depends on people's personality types. Like, I'm the kind of person that if I'm going to do it, I want to do it well. And so it's like you go into the gym, man. You want big muscles. You want to be stronger. Like, you got to be stressed. Like, you have to stress the muscles out, literally. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you want to go do something challenging hunting, like, you kind of got to find stressful situations to really, like, grow and learn and comprehend. And, like, you know, if you just walk down a logging road here and there, like, it's not as much of a learning experience is like, I'm going to do like a 10 mile loop today. I'm getting off trail. I want to see what's on that North face or in that bottom. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to do this. And like, I've went on so many death marches, but I've learned a lot. (laughs) Yeah. During those death marches. (laughs) Yeah, man. And like one thing that I kind of learned, especially speaking of that bear hunt this year, and I think it's kind of an easy trap maybe to fall in for content creators because you do have that pressure. Like you were saying earlier, you know, you, this, you've been spending company money. Like you, you want to fill a tag and like there might be even, you know, a little more pressure on people creating content. Um, but at the same time, you really have to – this type of hunting is so much of an experience that like if you're just looking at it as – okay, I'm going to go in, fill this tag, check this box, and go home as soon as possible. You will have a terrible time. You'll stress out the whole time. And I found myself on this bear hunt like that, with that mindset going in, like, okay, I'm going to go in, kill a bear, and then get home. Because um, I got young kids and stuff like that, and I'm not trying to make excuses. But then I got back to Idaho, to Luke's house, and I had like a day before I flew out. And I was just trying to like – I always like process after a big hunt like that. And I'm like, man – like I was just stressing out, freaking out, going from spot to spot, like the whole time I like barely enjoyed it at all. So it's like, I'm trying to like learn how to do that. Like, do you struggle with that at all? I mean, I used to a lot more than I do now. I mean, anytime you're in the content space, it's like, you don't need to kill stuff, but you do, you know, (laughs) like you don't ever kill anything. Like people would be like, dude, that guy's, you guys laugh like, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. Okay you didn't you know like fill some tags like if you never kill anything like i don't know man right so you like and just from an eyeballs perspective like it's just a fact that like dead animals and dead things yeah. generally get more attention now and not not to say that people can't go shoot small animals in the scale of like trophies and score and all that that you can but like when you've seen a dude that you know has killed like boatloads of animals and it's like the end of the hunt and all of a sudden like 120 inch muleter pops out and he's like i'm gonna fill my tag you know and you know he's doing it because in his head it's not a success for like him and his brand and the things if he doesn't kill something and he shoots it you're just like dude i wish you would have just not killed anything in that you know in that scenario um but yeah, like there's definitely pressure to get it done because that's what we're trying to do. But yeah, the older I've gotten, it's like, man, you just cannot expect every trip to be a success. And like, what more can you do other than going out and giving it your all? And part of hunting is like, dude, it, we wouldn't do it if it's not fun. And if you're so stressed out about whether you killed something or not, it's not fun anymore. And that basically means like you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. So that's just personal growth, you know, and that's, that's like a lot of things in life, man. There's a lot of things that you put on a pedestal and you want and okay. You got the thing. Are you that much more happy? No, it was probably the process of actually getting to the thing that felt rewarding that made you happy and not so much the thing. And so like that's where I think, you know, some people maybe aren't as introspective of like their own selves when they're out hunting, but mm-hmm. when you're in the public eye and you're creating content and you're trying to reflect it, you're, you know, putting yourself out there and you're struggling and you're stressing out, you know, over years and 
of doing it you just learn a lot and so yeah at a pretty good spot i think where dude it's not the end of the world if we don't kill something but if we're not trying like i'm gonna say something like let's try if we're gonna go out there and and go on this hunt and try to do it and if we don't get one at the end of the day man it's all good like we tried like yep that's how hunts go yeah yeah it's just it's like everything in life it's it's such a balancing act um but yeah because i found myself in this hunt like i um i found myself not having fun and i was like this is not cool you know and it was literally like mentally one of it was mentally the toughest hunt i've ever done I mean, we hunted, I think, seven days, and we saw one sow and cub the entire time. And, like, literally, like, I almost drowned in a pack raft. Like, like half the roads we tried to go down were closed. It was either 80 degrees and completely green, or I was, like, post-holing down to my waist in snow. Like, it was just, uh, it was rough. But um, I do feel like, again, not to be, like, Mr. Cliche over here, but you do learn so much more from quote unquote failures. I feel like if you kill something, it's just kind of like everything goes out the door and it's like, yep, I got it. When you don't, you're sitting there. Like I was just sitting there just like literally breaking apart, like every step of the hunt, what we did, where we messed up, what we could have done differently, how I would have done it, you know, different. So definitely came out of it. And, and honestly, the episode that I put together from this bear hunt it's the only hunt that I did this year. Where we, we didn't kill stuff, and yeah. it's actually one of the best episodes that I've put together. And that's just part of it's just because I'm getting better at doing it. But also, um, like I said, it doesn't have to be a kill in every episode, you know? No, no. I mean, <laughs> we plan to. It can't but it be. Won't always be. Yeah. <laughs> like we plan now for like, okay, if you guys don't kill something, like, what's the story? Like, what's how do we still make this a captivating piece? Like what else is there? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and the other thing that's interesting about kind of my perspective is that I'm in the content space, but also I'm fairly new to Western hunting. So I'm very much still on this progression, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so like this year I killed my first mule deer ever and he's tiny uh, but that was okay with me and like, I'm still okay with it. Um, would I do it again? I'm not sure, but, but then I went and I got this guy. He's only a two point, but he's like, he's nice. That's the stuff that like, cause hunting is such an ego driven sport that people are like, like if, if people, more people told the story of like, bro, I haven't killed a deer dog. This one is yeah. the one for me. People be like, hell yeah. That's and what I'm saying. Like I was kind of, or maybe you're going home. You're like, yeah, dog. I'm out. Now that I've killed this one, I don't know if I do it again next year. And like people can relate to that. Like people, yeah, like, yeah. their ability to be relatable yep. because it's hunting, bro. Got to get the big one. Got to, you know, blah, blah, right. blah. It's, it's like fine. If you're in that pro- part of your journey as a hunter, where like, you want to get the big one. That's cool. But like, that's not everybody. And it's like, just be you. Like For sure. it's the problem. Like, people get into content and they're like, well, what do the people want? Like, what do the people expect me to be? And then it's like, well, now you're not yourself anymore. And you're just, yeah. you're not happy. Like you shouldn't yeah. be doing this at that point. Like you just need to have your own identity and like be able to own it. And like, for it's sure. hard. Like, trust me, man, like putting yourself out there like me, like I wanted to kill a big deer. Like I'm like, I better find some, I hope because yeah. if I don't, I'm gonna look like an idiot. You know, I think, <laughs> Like, I know I can find them. Like, I've done it before, but it's also a lot of pressure, you know, but yeah. it's like, it's okay. Like, yeah, man. Like, we, I, I struggled with it. Like, you know, like, should I put this out? You know, like, am I going to get the haters? And I'm sure we'll get haters because, like I said, he's tiny, but um, it was a mountain hunt. It was incredibly low densities. We hunted for five days without even seeing a single buck. And, uh, yeah, like I said, it was my first deer ever, and I was like, you know what? I'm definitely going to get haters, but you're going to get those no matter what. I was like, mm-hmm. but I'm probably also going to get some of those people that are like, this is cool, because I'm not like some mountain badass that grew up like hunting out west. I'm, that, like I said, that was my first mule deer ever, and like, you know, I e-scouted it. I found the spot. I hiked us in. We hunted hard, and we killed deer, and they're small. 
We killed two deer actually, and they're both small, but <laughs> but it's okay, you know. It's, that's the progression, that's right? Great. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I don't know that many people unless their dad's like a mega hunter that just killed giants from day one. So right, yeah. So, but yeah, that's it's just a weird balance, you know. Like you said, when you're when you're putting yourself out there for the world, and but like you know, I think no matter what you do, there's always going to be trolls like, Oh, this guy sucks. What a, what a douche, you know? Oh, 100%, <laughs> yeah. So, but, um, but then my second mule deer is this guy. He's, he's only a two point, but he's like a mature deer. Let me oh, show I was you. going to say on Eastern Montana, that could be like a 10 year old buck. <laughs> Wait, say that again. Sorry. I said in, for Eastern Montana, that could be like a 10 year old buck, just crappy genetics. <laughs> yeah no seriously like old and like just haggard you know yeah like and just his body language like he um like every other buck we saw was kind of like a you know thin horned couple you know a couple of four by fours but like pretty thin and they'd maybe be poking around two or three does this dude was just posted up bedded with like eight does around him on a, on a hillside just like yep this is, these are mine <laughs> yeah and that's like part of it that goes into like animal you kill man it's not it's not just a number it's not just one thing it's like it's okay to have goals and to shoot for things but like the end of the day when you're out there it's like it just needs to feel right just needs like that's all it is like if it got you going then shoot it oh yeah like look at the size this is a coos deer but like look at the size (laughs) difference in just the head it's actually pretty hilarious it's gnarly (laughs) and even next to like i'm used to whitetails right so like when I was with the guys coos deer, they're like, Oh, isn't he tiny? And like, I, I'm from the South. I was like, I mean, he's small, but like, I'm used to like kind of small deer. And like, I saw this thing and I was like, Oh my gosh, he's like huge looking, but he's not even like that big. But anyway, he's a dinosaur, man. Yeah, he's a cool buck. Um, so yeah, I don't remember where we were, but, um, you, you were talking about, um, planning like you know if you guys don't kill or whatever um and i don't know for me i mean you always want to like kind of brainstorm i guess like ideas on storylines and where it could go and so like that's you got to do your homework and do that but i very much like i feel like it just kind of unfolds the way it unfolds and you just kind of tell it mm-hmm. um do you guys spend a lot of time kind of um in pre-production like thinking through how you want it to go because um the way you guys told the story of the process was interesting it was not it was kind of non-traditional like you sort of started in the low point kind of which was like this huge buck that you said looked like he was maybe even like a 200 inch buck and like these dudes (laughs) shoot it and like blow one of its antlers off or something and then it kind of goes back and tells the out. He said the antler broke off, so I don't oh, really. Know. I know. Yeah, I was gonna like, ask. Did you find out any more about that buck? Yeah, I talked to the guy. He was nice and yeah. he liked the film. You know, it's tough when you're filming and you see people out there because I mean, you know, unless you were there, unless you saw it, who's to say what happened, right? Like, right. It, to me, in that moment it very much seemed like that dude shot the antler off. <laughs> um, but I'm definitely not saying I'm right. Like he said, it, it got caught under a boulder of granite and snapped it off and it was soft inside. So it could have just snapped off. Like who knows? Regardless, the point really was, is that like this deer was so beautiful and like was. extreme deer. And now it was in parts and pieces, you know? And it like yeah. was like a, a freaking knife into your like already like big wound you know i'm but um yeah i just wanted to like at least feel like i gave a shout out to that (laughs) dude's side of the story because you know yeah for sure or anything in the film and yeah i think probably took it well but it did you know we did kind of make it seem like he shot it off or you know that was my assumption of what i thought well because antlers don't that time of year break off very easily like that would take some serious force yeah <laughs> um but anyway but yeah and then like that's seeing other guys like that to me is like it's unfortunate because they're just like-minded guys most of the time and most of the time they're great guys and they're just doing what you're trying to do 
Uh, so I try to really like intentionally not like I try to not even call it like pressure. I just try to say like they're fellow hunters because I don't want to like frame it in a negative way all the time. But I do got to say like that is one of the most disheartening things like in the world is when you have this great spot and then you just see dudes everywhere. <laughs> it's like so disheartening. Yeah. And everybody can relate to that. They'll be yeah, like, sure. dudes that are like, Oh bro, 18 days of hunting and you're whining, man. Some dudes can't even get a, like, Oh, it worked all year to get a week. You know, and it's yeah. like, you just can't let what people have to say. <laughs> it's like, dude, if you're a hunter at all, you've been upset about people being in your spot whether yeah. it was justified and you should have felt that way or not, you know, like, and if you want, really want to make hunting a priority in your life, you can make life decisions, get more time in the field. Like, yeah, you know, I've prioritized ways to find time to be out hunting, you know? Um, but yeah, we kind of got a little sidetracked from like the storyline, but Oh yeah. It's pretty easy to be very chronological with films. And so, that's true you know i do it in a creative way this was like my baby like i knew it was going to be cool because i was going to put the time in and felt pretty confident i'd find some big deer and it felt like a project worthy of our time from a brand perspective but you know once you get it all done and you have all this footage and you're just like oh my goodness like what am i gonna do like there's so much and i wanted you know before i started like i had the name the process because i knew that was that was like what i was going to do yeah you're just like man this is gonna be a long film like <laughs> yeah it's like an hour long it's like how do we like do it it, mir it mirrors the actual process because like even parts of the film not saying like I'm saying this in a good way. It's going to sound bad, but like you, I'm like, you're, when you're watching it, you're like struggling with you. But then like when it does come together in the end, you're like more stoked. And it's like, okay, this is cool. This is something different than just like, okay, we're hiking. Okay. We're glassing. Okay. We shot one pack out. Woo. Beers. You know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, so I kind of, you know, most projects I have the creative freedom to do it the way I want to do it. And, pretty much 100% of the time everyone is like yep I mean you know there'll be some minor change like cut this down a little bit or I'd maybe do this and you know it's usually great feedback but um David Nolt who I work with he was just kind of like maybe try telling the story like this you know and he just gave me a good idea to not like let's not be chronological with it mm. like let's think of some other ways to yeah. you know talk about your hunt and the process and so that was super helpful. I mean, I internally didn't want to do that because that's not the norm, you right. know, and it takes more time. And I already knew it was going to take me so much time to edit this, but I just kind of like thought about it real quick, kind of came up with an idea how I could do it and just started down that path. And then it just worked. It felt like it was going to work. And so I just ran with it. But yeah. How do you feel about voiceovers generally? I try to avoid them at all costs, but it's really just about impossible. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. To really tell a story about a hunt and like have a camera rolling enough and get enough good sound bites and like prioritize that to not have any, but yeah, I spend a lot of time doing voiceover, redoing voiceover, writing scripts, reading the script then f like just like spitballing you know like freestyling because it's like the best voiceover is when you talk the way that you would if you were telling the story to a buddy right and not writing it out and reading it you know yeah. and sometimes you have to do that we don't all have the luxury you know even if it's your job to spend unlimited amounts of time to get it perfect so at some point you got to get things done but mm -hmm it's worth trying to get it right and it takes a lot of time to do that. It's really, really tough. Um, but yeah, ideally yeah. you would build a story or like interview people in the field. Like the actual person making the final film wouldn't really have to do a lot of that, but yeah, we're not Hollywood man. And like <laughs> it's hunting film. So a lot of yeah. times to have some voiceover to like, 
stitch stuff together. Especially if you're telling it in a kind of creative way, like you did with this one, not like I said, not chronological, which was really cool because it is very easy to just day one, day two, day three. And that's, that's fine. But, um, it was unique the way you did it. And it was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, what do you, where do you get your music? Do you use Artlist or do you use something else? Yeah, I have a couple music sites. It's funny to use music and hear music. And yeah, you're like, yep, I know where that came from. And I know. I hear stuff all the time. I'm like, oh, I just used that one the other day. Yeah. <laughs> but I looked at music bed and it's just too much. It's just too much, man. Yeah. For me right now, anyway. Um, this is more this is like an opinion question i think i know where you're where you lie on this but it's just kind of something interesting i've been thinking about lately um because you look at like some of the new um like for example the new cameron haynes film that came out uh the Brandlin shockey did uh yeah. with the brown bear um it's very much told for the curious non-hunter and the casual hunter but also for the hardcore hunter. And I've been thinking a lot with my work, like it's tempting to want to tell a story just to like the hardcore hunters, because that's what we are, but you're really painting yourself into a corner and like boxing yourself in audience wise. Um, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Do you ever think about, you know, producing films more in that vein, like to the non hunter community or do you, do you kind of like speaking directly to the hardcore guys or a mix of both i mean i i don't think any of our films wouldn't resonate with any hunter because i think i mean like of like, like the, something that meat eater did so well and not that we should be copying meat eater but the reason why i think he's so big is because like non-hunters can watch it and be like oh this is interesting you know yeah i mean it comes back to like are you doing what you like to do or are you doing what you think is going to get the most views? You know, true. True. I don't really care about views, man. I want to do the thing I want to do. Like if I wanted to make money or, you know, cause if you're wanting views, like why are you wanting views to make more money? Right. If I want to make more money. I wouldn't work in the hunting industry, dog. Like (laughs) that's true. But I mean, you still, you gotta, like, you got to so pay the bills though. Space, I might as well be doing what I want to do. Right. Like I'm here cause I'm passionate about it. So yeah. Yeah. It's true. That's Just, how I feel about it. I mean, even like the Cameron Haynes and like that little group of dudes, I think like if I went in, was thrown in a room, like showed up at like a buddy's house for like just a chill little house party in Cameron Haynes. And some of those dudes were there, like we'd get along, we'd have a great time. But like, I think they overhype, a lot of aspects to get yeah. those views to have that like for sure. edge that you know for real for hunters sure. like bro like no it's not really how it is but for like the non-hunter like dude these bros are savages they're yeah. fucking gladiators <laughs> of the earth man yeah. no, you know they're yeah. like yeah so killed a black bear yeah <laughs> it's like dude black bears run from you when they see you um no i get it um and yeah, it's just like just keep. I feel like in the in the conversation, we keep going back to like balance. It's just like because I'm with you, man. Like I like making the stuff that speaks to the hardcore hunter, but um, you do got to pay the bills. And you know, I'm kind of in business for myself right now, which is another interesting thing. But anyway, I just thought it's um, it's just something I've been kind of thinking about lately. So, um. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, at the end of the day, people are more captivated captivated by people that are authentically themselves. Like, Cameron Haynes is Cameron Haynes now because he was himself when he started. Like, whether yeah. or not I think that's really exactly how he feels and the cameras aren't on him or not, like, he was a badass. He's a savage. Like, For that's sure. Cameron Haynes. Cameron Haynes is still running ultras when, yeah. like, nobody's covering him. You know what I mean? Like... Mm-hmm he just found ways to leverage it. And sometimes it feels a little inauthentic. It feels like it's a little bit for the views and the camera, but like at the end of the day, like all these people are themselves who are ultimately like truly successful. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. Um, 
we're coming pretty close on time. Just a couple more things I wanted to ask you about. Um, another thing I really liked about what you're saying, which something that re- resonated with me was like, you came at this not intentionally, not like asking colleagues or industry folks like for spots or whatever and stuff like that. That's such an easy thing, especially when you know some people to do like, Hey man, can you drop me some pins or whatever. And sometimes it's, you know, helpful. Like if you don't have your time to scout or, or whatnot, um, yeah. but I like, I, I really like that because that was like, for me with this bear hunt, going, going back to that, like I wanted to go to this spot, like Luke knew some spots where he thought there were some bears. Like, no, nah, I want to go to this box. I found it. Like I want to go there. It looks good. And I want to have that like sense of pride of like, I found this. And it was the only spot we saw bears, the two bears we saw the entire week. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and then I got this, I got this really I, okay, it was my goal this year to kill my first elk ever, right? And somehow, like just stupidly, I drew like an amazing New Mexico muzzleloader elk hunt. Like for my first, you know, I okay. filmed elk hunts, but I've never actually done one. So anyway, so it starts playing tricks in your head, like you know, you need to. And people have even reached out to me, hey, you know, like we need to come help you out, or and like. I'm really hesitant and like I was going to try to, you know, collaborate with some like really good elk hunter and get someone to help me and stuff. And then coming back from this bear hunt, I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to take my cousin who doesn't, he like, he's like a casual hunter, but we've done all kinds of hunts together and stuff. Um, doesn't know a thing about elk. I'm going to take my cousin and I'm not going to get a guide and I'm going to learn to call elk myself and I'm going to e-scout it. And it's, I'm lucky because it's like an amazing place with tons of elk. So that's on my side, but, um, I really like that. And that's, I feel like that is what makes you a better hunter. That was, what was cool about this film too. Yeah. Yeah. And not every hunt, like, I don't want to seem like I don't ever like take a a hint or a tip from people, but like, this is one where like, I really do love mountain mule deer hunting and I just wanted to see like, like I knew there were deer there. Like if I put the time in, I should be able to figure it out. Like what am I capable of as a hunter? Like versus what I think I am in my head, like Mm -hmm. in Montana. And I said in the film, it's like, I feel like I'm doing all the right things. It's just Montana is just hard. So like, this is kind of a proving ground of myself of like, Am I actually doing the right things? Like if I like look at the map and like these areas look good to me, these would be areas I'd hunt in Montana. And then I go and I scout them and like, like how does that all work? And it's like, I knew I was going to go scouting. So if scouting didn't pan out, like I could always still ask people for some help. Yeah. Which obviously it panned out and I didn't need to do that. But like this how was just a, where I wanted that challenge where like, you know, this year yeah, I test drew- yourself. I drew a Utah elk tag, like a, not an insane one or anything, but like, I'm just going down there more to like have fun. Like I know I can kill nice elk and I'm asking people where they want to look, you know, and like I'm getting spots of like general areas to go check out. So it's not like every hunt. I'm like, if I don't figure it out myself, bro, then like, it doesn't matter. You know, it's like yeah. every hunt's its own little journey. Sure. Some For of sure. them you want to challenge yourself and go on like a spirit quest and other ones you want to hang out with the boys and have a good time. And like the cool <laughs> part about quest. hunting is so diverse that like have fun with it, like challenge yourself, but also have fun hunts, like have easy hunts, have hard hunts, have yeah. long, hunts, have short ones, have, you know, like, yeah. They don't all have to be like some crazy backcountry, like insane. Yeah, for sure. Actually, I'm really stoked because, well, <laughs> uh, I have no like true backcountry hunts this year. I'm actually kind of excited about it. <laughs> They're all like oh, truck shit. camp hunts, you know. Every year by like middle of November, you're like next year I'm not backpack hunting at all. <laughs> I know. It's just so I'm tough, like man. A base camp. <laughs> yeah. It's just, Wall it's just pack. so tough. Like every single thing is a struggle. Like <clears throat> drinking water is a struggle. Everything is a struggle. Um, but it's good. I like, I usually like to do at least one of those per year, but like, I'm not butthurt that I don't have one this year. Yeah. <laughs> Although I, Alaska is kind of back country, but we're not packing in. Like we will be back there, but like we're getting dropped off at least. So it's not like we're hiking everything in. Yeah. I mean, well, there's a lot of people in my 
shoes too of like having to teach themselves how to hunt but like i never had like dad or grandpa's or anyone's spots to go check out and it was like i'm not that good at hunting i can just i'm just gonna hike harder and further than people and hopefully the animals are more stupid there and then i can get one yeah and then the more you hunt in some spots not all of them like there is an advantage if you can get into more difficult remote country because absolutely most people aren't willing to do it so if you just eliminated a massive pool of the hunters that are going out there, then like the competition's less, which means your odds of actually like killing an animal are better. Absolutely. As far as just general opportunity now going 15 miles in or one mile in, like that might not dictate trophy quality at all. In a lot of spots, you know, like some spots, the biggest bowl might be like half a mile off the road in a sneaky little spot, like on this one corner and, you could go back 15 miles and be like, there's nothing here. I'm an idiot. You know? So. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. And, um, and just getting like, we like, even just getting, even if you are doing like a base camp hunt, like even just like finding, just getting off the beaten path a little bit can actually do quite a lot sometimes. Like we, you know, I think our Montana deer hunt this year, I think the weather played a factor in it a little bit too because literally it was negative 23 the first night we slept out there. Uh, but um, And, like, really deep snow. It was, like, right when all that, you know, that crazy storm came through. Um, but, like, we were back in the spot, you know, off the beaten path, but not, like, crazy. Like, we, were, we had our truck in a wall tent, and we saw one other guy, like, five miles away one day. And it was like amazing. So I mean, for me, you know, even if the like you said, the trophy quality is not there, just getting away and kind of having your own areas is mm-hmm. worth it. Um, and so I'm going to try to condense my process into. I'm going two days early out to New Mexico. I'll try to condense, you know, just spend two days driving around and just trying to get a feel for it. Everyone I've talked to said they're like, "There's elk everywhere." So, and I don't, I'm not picky. So, yeah. hopefully, it'll be good. <laughs> You should be teed up for success. Yeah. Okay. Last question, man, because it's kind of a theme, one of the themes of the podcast, and it's like the first thing on your Instagram bio. It says follower of Jesus Christ. So your faith, like, is it a um, – I'm assuming it's a big part of your life. Uh, is, is it part of your daily practice, or how does that factor into your life? Yeah. It's definitely a daily part of every single day for me and just trying to walk with the Lord. And Nice. Obviously, if you're – have any real religious beliefs you know that there's ebb and flow to that highs oh, and yeah. lows and you know like that's very much a process as well um you know having a relationship with someone that you can't sit across the table from is tough like it's easy to be on the ball with it and then let it you know drift away but it's kind of sure. like my like north star as far as my life and my beliefs and you know trying to grow as a human being and it's something that you know i probably could do a lot better job being vocal about but i'm definitely not ashamed you know of that belief in my life and yeah it does it drives a lot of what i do hopefully more and more as i get older and you know grow in that and like hopefully walk more closely with the lord but yeah it's definitely something that's important to me that's awesome man yeah i mean it's dude I mean, for people that don't have that, I I do feel bad because, you know, life's hard regardless of your circumstances. And like yeah. the ultimate freedom is knowing Jesus Christ, knowing that the, at the end of the day, your sins are forgiven and you can go to heaven, man. Like, yeah, you have the worst life ever. And like that freedom of like, dude, if the hunt doesn't work out. If this relation doesn't work out. If my job doesn't work out, if I'm, if, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it is, dude, like at the end of the day, it's going to be okay is like, Man, it makes your life so much better. Yeah, it's like that confidence that, like, no matter how bad it gets or how bad you screw up, like, you cannot utterly fail mm-hmm. eternally. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. God's got you, especially if you you know have a close relationship and and look to Him as a good Father, which I believe He is. Like, you may stumble, you may fall, you may fail, but you will not utterly fail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Hardest part confidence. is like sometimes i'm like dude i'm so driven at other things in life and like sometimes i feel like i'm so not but then it's like it's like it's so easy like true saving faith is so easy 
if you have it like if you you know like that's all it is but then it's like it's more right it needs mm-hmm. to be more like yeah like, if christ lives within you like you should be a chain your character should change and you should you know like be wanting to remove as much sin from yourself as you can and recognizing more of it sometimes i'm struggle with being like dude like how am i not doing more how do i not feel more passionate about this like where do i actually stand which you know there's two sides to that like maybe you don't have the right faith or maybe the devil's just in your ear trying to dissuade you from you know knowing that like dude i'm saved at the end of the day like i'm gonna continue to try to grow and be a better human being i'm gonna make mistakes Mm -hmm. so it's a tough thing man i mean it's it's good in today's day and age we don't have that many things that challenge our mental acuity and capacity of how we think how we act why we act yeah and like it's awesome i'm glad that and like my testimony is not to jump into it but like hunting is how i like truly got saved and like actually believed like god was real and wanted nature and stuff yeah dude just like the beauty of like god's creation how he pieced it all together and put it together is like I mean, dude, you watch planet Earth and like God's not in the narration of that. But like, how do you believe that like that's not? Yeah. Finally designed, you know, it's it's crazy. Like like a jellyfish is like the most like a simple like amoeba is like insanely complex or like a human eyeball. The most studied thing in the world is the human body. And we still don't even know how to cure cancer, dog. Like we still (laughs) don't even know how it all works. Yeah. It's like that just came about just some stuff like (laughs) (laughs) right actually yeah that's your thing that's the cool thing about god is he gave us freedom of choice so yeah but yeah i I think so too i mean for same thing with me is like just seeing the complexity and how everything is so interwoven in the natural world it's like it's just it almost takes more faith through me to like not believe um and like you were saying earlier, like with ebbs and flows, I mean, it's just like like hunting, right? Like you can't always be on the mountaintop. It just doesn't work that way. You can't always be climbing up. Like there's going to be valleys. There's going to be peaks. And I think being able to rest in, like you said, the fact that, you know, you're saved. Um, yes, we are trying to progress and get better. Just like physical fitness or anything else, man. Like you're not, you're not just going to build muscle the rest of your life until you're like, <laughs> Hulk, yeah. you know, and like spilling out the door, like it just doesn't work that way. No. So, but, but cool, yeah. man. Yeah, thanks yeah. for sharing that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. We we've gone about an hour, so that's usually about when I call it. So, um. But it's been uh, it's been great chatting with you. Enjoyed the conversation, and uh, thanks for taking some time. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. That was fun. Yeah, man. All right. Take your easy, dude.